it's like it's like saying you're from Rhode Island. Like nobody fucking gives a shit about Connecticut down here in Tennessee. Okay, Delaware. Okay, big whoop. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you decide to listen. Welcome to Football and Other F-Words. We hope you're having a good day. I'm your host, Mr. Lebowski, and this show is brought to you by the 0-10 Jets, who suck. And I like to remind you that Adam Gase is a terrible coach. So congratulations, you have mathematically eliminated yourself from the playoffs already. I'm really proud of you, Jets. This podcast is actually brought to you by broadwayswordsmedia.com. We love having you. Come have us. We want you to come share on our website, podcasts. We have articles. Come check us out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Pick up a premium membership today. Michael, Zach, how are we? Can we talk about how the Chargers almost chargered and almost <laughs> lost that game? I mean, it wasn't a, a decisive win by any means. 34-28. And Matt Patricia is the defensive version of Adam Gase, by the way. And Matt Patricia needs to be fired. Adam Gase needs to be fired. And I think they both need to leave the NFL, go to the college ranks and never come back. No, they should team up. They should coach together. Okay. So so when we lose Arthur Smith, we should hire Adam Gase as offensive coordinator and Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator. Right? Because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants Matt Patricia's defensive coordinator, who, by the way, that they want him on the Titans. His players celebrated time away that with mimosas because they were just away from Matt Patricia. In the locker room. In the locker room. <laughs> Matt Patricia's not here. It is a good day. Let's celebrate. And people want him on the Tennessee Titans. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. Get your heads out your asses. He's not good. Bill Belichick is what is good. Brian Flores is what was good with those, with those defensive teams under Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia just stood there with a pencil shoved up his cap, looking like a fucking idiot. Someone had the foresight to say that bearded son of a bitch is not going to be here. <laughs> Let's get mimosas flowing. Like that's mimosas involve yeah. planning. <laughs> yeah. Cause you got to get the orange juice. You got to get the champagne. Do you have the it's, right amount of champagne? Flutes? Right. Do you have the right amount of bottles and all that? It takes a lot of math. That's insulting. To get a mimosa down. Right. If someone cracks open a 12 pack because you've left. Okay. It's insulting, but a 12 pack's easy to grab mimosas. They planned a surprise party for you not to be there. So yeah. congratulations. <laughs> Um, but we, we got to have him because he, he used to coach on the Patriots and him and Mike Vrabel used to used to be on the same Super Bowl winning team, even though that was like 20 years ago. But listen, I, I wanted to know, be known that my official position is that I do not want Adam Gase fired. I want him to wallow and roll around in all of these 16 losses so that he is branded and further cast from the regime of the NFL forever. I'd like for him to go to the Lions next year and take them 0-16 for the second time in their franchise history, but have two back-to-back seasons of 0-16 teams. Then Matt Patricia goes to the Jets, and they hire Bill O'Brien as their GM. Yeah. But but who's on deck now, though, right? Because uh, assuming Gase and Patricia both get fired, which seems like a lock, who is the next coach we all get to make fun of? Man, that's that's true. It's like it's, I'm gonna it's very miss those slim. Guys. Because Dan Doug Marone is essentially gone, right? Yeah, I would think I would think he's gone. 
Doug Peterson's getting pretty close. (laughs) You're you're exactly right. We're kind of just reveling in the fact that this is about to come to an end, but we're about to lose one of our favorite shows. Mike McCarthy? The the entire NFC. I don't know. He just did the game-changing Gallagher routine (laughs) that has changed this whole locker room culture around. The the, the team bought into it. Someone's they probably have not seen Gallagher before. Yeah, I was going to say a, a, a reference to a uh, 1980s popular comedian was definitely what, what was needed to get through to that Cowboys locker room. Apparently so. It worked. Did, do you all know what Gallagher's daughter does? Porn. No. no. So, well, maybe porn, depending on what, what you're into. You go right to porn. <laughs> she can crush <laughs> watermelons with her thighs. Oh, well, so pretty much Word for all, <laughs> pretty much fruit porn. I mean, depending on what you are, I saw her do it. Uh, we've been watching like these old, uh, well, not old, but like the uh, the remakes of old uh, game shows, like a match game without Baldwin, which is actually pretty good. But she, they, she suddenly just comes on and just slams this watermelon with her thighs and crushes it. You have to be disappointed as a father if you see that, right? Like, because you're. Yeah, I mean, directly, her father's Gallagher. I mean, you're don't you think the bar is pretty low? You're directly responsible for that. You went out on stage and made a spectacle of smashing fruit. Your daughter followed in your footsteps. She just chose not to use instruments. Well, listen, uh, now he's a uh, he's <laughs> having a pop culture resurgence between his daughter on Match Game and now Mike McCarthy uh, smashing watermelons. Watermelon smashing's back, bud. Where are we? What did we do here? I'm so, I'm very sorry. I feel like I've derailed this entire fucking podcast. But we need to be talking about the fact that the Titans still own the Ravens, which is just glorious to me. This is now two wins against the damn Ratbirds in the same calendar year, and it's it's delicious. Mike, open it up. Let's roll around in it like a dog does dead shit. <laughs> so I think I think my favorite thing was uh, Jimmy Seafood. Uh, go into Twitter and, yes. and doing a victory lap too soon and then having to stew in their own shit uh, after they got called out on it. I, I think that might have been my, my favorite part of the whole experience. But, but really, anytime I, I kind of feel like this whole rivalry, you know, going back to uh, the, the well, late just 90s last year, and just early started. 2000s when it definitely existed just started, in case yeah. any radio stations yeah, sorry, needed to know. It just started according uh, to the 13-year-old <laughs> running the 1025 account. So uh, when this rivalry definitely existed back then, I, it was the Ravens that were kind of taking they, – they were the Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown's Titans – now I feel like it's the other way around. The Titans are, are pulling the football away, and I feel like Derrick Henry is the Ray Lewis character, kind of the big, big name, big time player that just every single time these two teams meet, he just runs through a motherfucker's face. And it's beautiful. I mean, it. Let, let me say something. It was not a pretty game. It was a hard three quarters to get through. Um. There, there's a lot that this team is not going to, I mean, I'm just not bought into this team, but I'm going to enjoy this fucking win because I told everybody they were going to win because the Tennessee Titans, the, the, the Baltimore Tennessee Titans are just better than the Baltimore Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens are a mirage. They've been a mirage all season. I've been pounding the table saying they're an average team because Lamar Jackson's not good. It is him and Mark Andrews, and he 
And I understand that there were drops and everything, but he's still not getting the ball to Devin Duvernay, who I think is one of the better wide receivers on this team and one of a really great weapon. And then on top of that, Mark Ingram sucks. J.K. Dobbins is pretty good, but now they've both been mouth kissing each other and they got COVID. <laughs> and then you, so that leaves you with Gus fucking Edwards, that which they're still trying to make a thing. This is just a piss poor offense. And, and I think the defense is good, but they have to be fully healthy. And they, we just caught the Tennessee Titans just caught them on a day that they weren't fully healthy. And we took advantage of it. Like, I feel like this team took advantage of the, the Baltimore Ravens, which sometimes what happens with the Tennessee Titans is that they play down. You can look at the Cincinnati Bengals. They couldn't take advantage of the Cincinnati Bengals and their offensive line but they did take advantage of the Baltimore Ravens and their injuries on defense and came out with a, with a win. And when you go into overtime, Derrick Henry is the first NFL player. Is it this season or in NFL history to get two touchdowns in overtime in the same season? Uh, I'm not sure on that. Uh, It's possible that it's all time. It's been floating uh, around and I just, you know, I black out. I really don't read it. My, my attention span is gone. I don't read some of these tweets, but uh, it's, that was floating around, but this is the first back-to-back win in this Baltimore Ravens, Tennessee Titans series by one of the teams since 2004 and then to, into 2005. So like 15 years. So I really it is, hope it that, is NFL history, by the way, ooh, I just looked it up. That's Look at that. I hope that I hope that Harbaugh buried his hands and his or face in his hands and said we, we have Gus fucking Edwards. That's where we're at. Well, um, I mean, he right. wasn't putting his hands out there for Mike Vrabel to shake, so they got to go somewhere. And that's oh, exactly. I, I love that. That's exactly where I want to start with this. So He's Tennessee, his baby, isn't he? Tennessee comes right out and goes immediately to the logo at midfield to do an entire roster meeting, which of course. The Ravens did not take kindly to, um, and uh, words were exchanged, and that there was a bit of a bit of a ballyhoo, bit of a kerfuffle at the beginning of the game. Um, so I, I love that Harbaugh felt the need to come out and get into it with an entire NFL team because they're standing on your logo. First off, can can we just is is it disrespectful to stand on a logo in the NFL? I'm I think not. I, I just think it's a freaking logo. It's well, a apparently people still think it is. I mean, it's it's disrespectful, I guess, when it's like the Dallas Cowboys star. But who gives a shit about the Baltimore Ravens logo? Like that has no. I, I don't. I don't get it. For you mean for they're on Bernie the Raven? Yeah. How dare you? You mean their secondary logo choice after they literally stole the design for their first one, used it for about three years, and then had to give it up? If you yeah. don't believe me, look it up. It's the damn truth. They straight up stole their first logo, which is why you don't see it anymore. Yeah, I, like I don't get team. it. So the Titans, like you said, it, and listen, I want to start this off by saying I, we're big on calling people out with trash ass takes on Twitter. There were plenty of them this weekend, but I actually, I need to start with myself Ooh. because about midway through the game, uh, I put, I did not put it on Twitter, but I did put it in our, in our group chat that we always rant in during the game of, I'm not watching this anymore. I'm going to watch red zone. I'm done, I'm done watching this. And so of course, just like a child who says he's going to run away from home, 
I packed a bag and they kept looking back in the living room, right? So I flipped over the red zone, but I kept flipping back to the game. I was on the gold for about five minutes. I came back and watched the rest of the game. But A, shame on me for not believing the words out of my own mouth on this very podcast earlier this year, which is I've got to stop throwing a tantrum and believing that this team is not going to come back because this team finds a way to fight and win. And that's exactly what they did. So I'm a jackass. I'll call myself out for that. But in hindsight, maybe I do need to start flipping over and watching Red Zone a little more often because the second I did, this team came to life. Yeah, I I mean, I really don't blame you for having to take a mental break from the Tennessee Titans this past past Sunday. Because, I mean, like I said earlier in, in in the podcast, it was tough. It was a tough game to get through because you just see them making the same old mistakes that they've always been making. And... You saw that the drops and the heartbreaking drops that A.J. Brown hit the beginning of the game, and then it was just – it was tough. I mean, I I put it out on Twitter. Hey, it's nice to see that Arthur Smith has a great scripted first drive. Can't wait to see those uh, first first down runs and those second and long runs come back in for the rest of the game. It, they did they but it wasn't the whole game but they were there and it was it's just it's just it's a chore it was it felt like such a chore to get through that first half of that game it was a tough first half i mean they were starting uh aaron brewer at left guard and and ty sambrello at left tackle um it took him a minute i think San Brelo particularly got worked by Ngakwe and that kind of caused a lot of the offensive issues between that and the the really random drops. I, I really don't understand what's going on with the drops, but but I will say, uh, speaking of overreaction Twitter, the amount of uh, bench AJ Brown uh, talk that I, I uh, saw on the timeline after uh, after Brown dropped really? pass, uh, in the first half. Yeah, there was there was a little bit of it going on, and uh, I, I was like, oh my god, here we go. But you know, of course, AJ Brown comes back and totally redeems himself with the most Herculean play I think I've ever seen an NFL wide receiver do. Um, I mean, he literally broke four tackles. I saw uh, Albert Breer on Twitter last night trying to say Mike Evans one-upped him by pulling away from oh. two uh, defenders. No, 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 Albert. It was four defenders, including one safety and one linebacker uh, that he just ran through. Uh, and the spot, the importance of that play in the game, it was literally just a AJ Brown decided he was going to go win the game for the Titans and then did it like that. That was really how it felt in the moment it was like, all right, he just he got mad before this play. and was like, you know what? I'm done with this bullshit. Let's just go win this game and just took it and threw off grown men like they were, you know, gnats and, and carried them into the end zone. It's unbel- that was an unbelievable play. And that's, that's it. That's the pieces of this Tennessee Titans team that I really still enjoy watching lately because it's the way to find the will to find mid game, even out of individual personnel of I'm having a bad game and I need to fix this. We've seen Tannehill do it. We saw Tannehill do it in this very game. Tannehill in the middle of this game was not great. He was giving into the pressure, throwing balls into the dirt, through an uncharacteristic interception. He was starting to look a little flaky. A.J. Brown had the drops again. Um, But those two individuals right there found a way to button their shit up and find a way to win this game. 
and God, it just makes makes me tingly. Makes me it just makes me want to pour mimosas and go celebrate with the uh, Lions locker room. And, and let's say this for the win too. It it's never easy to go on the road and win in the NFL. It's really never easy to go on the road and win against a team that even like if the Ravens aren't. And I agree with Zach. I, they're not the team that they were last year. They lost a bunch of parts. Um, and they were down a couple important pieces on the defense yesterday. So they're not what they were last year, but they're still a pretty good football team. This is still an above average football team. Mm, um, I'd say average. I think they're, I think they're slightly above average. If you look at the, the, like our power rankings, right. I mean, well, I think you guys are way overrating them. They're like in that 12 to 14 range, right? Somewhere around there, they're a fringe playoff team, um, they're not a bad football team, but to go on the road and win, and especially starting a undrafted rookie left guard, um, you know, playing Breon Borders again at corner, losing Jayon Brown halfway through the game. The Titans were dealing with their own issues, so I certainly am not going to weep for the Ravens. I don't know playing Breon Borders is a, is a handicap or hindrance right now. Okay, no, he's, he's played well. I'm just saying... You're, well, yeah, but I just, I'm just saying the, that maybe we need to put some respect on his name. And I, and I, 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 and I think you would agree. I mean, I don't think I you're fully wrong. I respect Breon Borders. I'm just yeah. saying that, like, I'm not going to downgrade this win because the Ravens were missing people when the Titans were missing just as many, if not more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's the point, right? Like, the backups came in and played better than the Ravens' backups, which – I think is a, a credit to the roster. It's a credit to the coaching staff for getting those guys ready. Um, Aaron Brewer is 274 pounds uh, playing left guard at six one. I think I haven't been able to confirm this because I just can't find a way to, to actually search the data uh, efficiently, but I'm pretty sure he's the smallest offensive lineman to take a snap, much less uh, start a game in the NFL in at least a decade. It probably it maybe two decades uh, since like the offensive linemen all became huge. But I mean, it's pretty unbelievable how well he played really. Cause he was not a big problem for them. Like he, he did miss, you know, a couple blocks here and there. There, there he wasn't perfect, but he was not a huge problem. It was not every snap sitting there going, Oh God, Brewer's going to get us killed. Uh, well, it, it would help that we didn't have Calais Campbell and um, absolutely Michael Pierce. Is that who they were missing? Or am I uh, going no, back uh, to years? Williams? Oh yeah. 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 Um, but they, they still had what Justin Matabuke, uh, who was what a first or second round uh, pick. Was, did he end up being their first round pick? I think he I ended up remember. being their second. Okay. So they, they had Matabuke out there. They had uh, Justin Alice. They still had Derek Wolf, who, who was a quality NFL player. So they still had legitimate NFL guys in there. And, and Brewer held his own. Um, but yeah, the offense really caught fire in the second half. And, and by the time the game was over, um, it's kind of crazy. They, they, they uh, accumulated 297 yards on their last four drives of the game uh which is insane production and that actually if you look at the balance of the entire game the offense had probably their third best game of the season uh against this ravens defense so i felt like something clicked in the second half maybe it was you know starting to get back into the the swing of things with the the run game feeding the play action everything like that i felt like they made some good adjustments uh in the second half with what they were doing with their routes they had a lot of outbreaking route starting to come free uh to kind of take advantage i felt like the ravens were really packing packing the middle of the field between the numbers 
trying to take away those crossers that the Titans love so much. And they, they finally kind of adjusted to that and started hitting, uh, especially Corey Davis, who had a great game too, um, uh, on those little uh, corner routes and stuff like that. That big 50 yarder was a, a huge moment. Yeah. I mean, can we talk about Corey Davis real quick? He is, he is looking every bit like what we have been hoping that he would be his whole career. And he, we, we saw a little glimpse of this in his, in, in one season before, but he's playing on another level right now. I'm sure some of it has to do with Arthur Smith creating all these opportunities and him getting open, but we are seeing the Corey Davis that we've been looking for, of course, in the final year uh, when he doesn't, when he's not tied to us the next year. But it's just awesome. I mean, good for Corey. The Corey yeah. Hive, the Corey Davis Hive is strong right now. But, you know, uh, I, I made my bold prediction before the season that Corey Davis would end up leading the Titans in receiving yards. He's currently leading in receiving yards. He's nine yards ahead of A.J. Brown. He just passed him again for the lead. So it's going to be nip and tuck the rest of the way, I think. But I have a chance of having that one come through, which, I mean, that was a, that was pretty out there at the beginning of the season. Yeah. I love it. I, I love to see that the man's playing. He's he's playing with large penis energy, as I put in our chat the other day. And I will say it again. It is very disturbing when I say it. And I like saying it. Large penis energy. Um, speaking of large penis energy, can we talk about Derrick Henry and his decision to just fuck it? I'm going to win the game in overtime. I just don't understand how he cuts to the left into this huge pile of people and finds a way out of it to just run and score and drive it in the Ravens' throat in overtime. What a hell of a run. He's really, a, truly a unique human being, right? I mean, like, just the the jump cut that he made on that run is, like, just so freakish for a guy that's 250 pounds. Um, I, and it just never gets old watching him do stuff that he's not supposed to be able to do. Like, you, you think at some point, like – five years in here, we would, uh, we would be used to it and just be like, Oh yeah, another big Derrick Henry play, but it never really gets old. It's, it's just as breathtaking the 80th time that you see it as it is the first. It's, it's just remarkable the way that Derrick Henry can just, all of a sudden you think that the play is over and all of a sudden he's, he's just somewhere else. Like he is just, he found that one hole and is just somewhere else. And I love the, um, I guess next gen stats or whoever comes out with these little things is the route that he took on the dot creates an L almost a perfect L shape. And it's just, it, it, I, I want to say that I believe it's by design. I believe that he knew what he was making on those dots and that he knew that it was going to be an L. And didn't he call the shot? And, and that it was a, exactly a 29-yard touchdown run yeah. in honor of his lead blocker, Earl Thomas. Yeah. But didn't he call the shot? So something, I, I I've heard something about him calling the shot or he called the game or whatever. But I, I also know that AJ Brown told him that he needs to go out and win this fucking game. Yeah. See, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way I heard it. Or at least I feel like I did not make that up. And I read it on Twitter is that AJ Brown said afterwards is that this is taking too long. Just go out and win the fucking game. So I, I 
I love that. You you're, you got your wide receiver Brown's looking like, at you and saying, "Can you just go win the fucking game so we can get this over with?" And he does it. He does. AJ it. Brown's like, "I got shit to do." All right, like, come on, let's just yeah. fucking go get the win. Eric E. Brown's got a birthday party coming up. Like, we got to get <laughs> off this field. I told him I'd make an appearance. I told him I'd make an appearance, but. <laughs> Henry again just gouges it down down their throat and wins it in overtime with just a beautiful win, and uh, I, I love it. I love it because I, I I love watching the Ratbird fans get all pissed off on the fact that they've lost to the Titans now twice in one calendar year. I did go have a peek at a couple of Ravens fan sites afterward just because I'm petty and I wanted to wallow in it, and uh, they they were pretty furious not a lot of making excuses for x y and z cost us the game it's just like the titans own us and i'm tired of it and i I love that and just like 1025 correctly said this is a rivalry that has just begun i'm really excited to see what happens with this brand new rivalry with the ravens i mean this is this is going to be a rivalry like we've never seen between the ravens and titans ever how do you tweet that out how do you type that and say that's the one send it, it legitimately must have been somebody who was not around or was yeah. not following football uh, 20 years ago. It had to have been. That's just because it was, it was the rivalry. And ask any they Titans must have not even paid attention to the game last year. Like, whoever was there, because that's all they talked about was the Ravens yeah. Titans. That's what everybody talked about on Twitter was the Ravens Titans mm-hmm. rivalry being renewed technically yes. last year. Because, and like, I guess they just hired someone, you know, maybe they're an intern from like from like London or small town Nebraska where they don't allow dancing. I don't know. How how fun would it be to see them again in the playoffs? Well, I don't ever want to see the Ravens again uh, this year because they suck. I don't want to see them. I don't want to see them play football ever again. I'm having a hard time getting myself psyched for this Steelers Ravens game and I know Mike that you think that the Ravens are going to be Pride's on the line, and they're gonna whoop the Steelers. No, they're not because they're the worst team. They're not the worst team. The Jets are the worst. No, the worst team in the game, Mike. The worst team versus the Steelers. They're the the worst. Steelers are the better overall team, but weird shit happens in rivalry games. I'm just saying, I'm sprinkling a little bit of money on on the Ravens uh, minus ten line. I'm you know I'm taking a little long shot there. You heard it. Zach said that the worst team this decade. So I do want to talk about the, um, the, the kind of obvious negatives that have come out of this game, because I feel like I'm inherently a negative person. No, I'm just kidding. But um, so you've got John Brown and Simbrello Titans, unfortunately come out of this with, with two big injuries. Um, let's start with Brown. Just how much further does this set the Titans back? Well, David Long's got to find the cure for COVID or something and get get off the list because they're going to need David Long and they're going to need considerable stats. I know that it, Titans Twitter favorite Will Compton had the highest uh, PFF grade for this defense this last uh, this last week, and we are we are big Will Compton fans. But in the long run, you got to have these young guys start filling in these roles, uh, and David Long needs to find the playing time and needs to get in there. Because if you look at what's out there and what's left, Alec Ogletree, maybe they had classify him as an inside linebacker on some of these websites. I don't, you know, it's slim pickings out there. And then if you, even if you're able to get them in, 
they're not going to be the the chances of them being available for the Colts are very slim at this point. So you got to go with what you got on your roster. And right now I feel like that it's got to be David long against this Indianapolis Colts uh, offense. If, if you were going to call a free agent, I would probably honestly go Wesley Woodyard. Um, I, I know he's not really got the speed anymore or anything like that, but he at least knows the defense and is smart enough that he would be able to come in and, and pick it, pick it right up. I think. Um, but ultimately I think David long has to be the guy um, for the long term. Um, see what I did there. Um, <laughs> God, you couldn't just say it and move on. You had to acknowledge it. He's so um, fucking proud of it too. <laughs> But uh, no, he's Brabel did say that he thinks there's uh, that he thinks they'll get David Long back uh, later this week uh, off the COVID list. So that's that's a pretty good indication that he should be cleared um, before the Colts game. I would imagine that if he is, he probably plays most of the snaps at that spot. I also think they could do a little bit of a hodgepodge kind of like mix and match replacement deal. I mean, Compton isn't a bad player to have in there um, necessarily. You don't want him playing all the snaps, but if you, if you've got to play him for a few, that's okay. Uh, I think you could use some Kenny Vaccaro at, at linebacker um, and, and kind of make him, you know, use kind of your, your three safety package, but use Vaccaro really as, as that second linebacker. Uh, and Rams of, found a lot uh, of success with that under Jeff Fisher when they did that with Mark Barron, just saying, you know, it, it actually yeah. did work. Mark Barron did the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a real approach um, there. And, and frankly, Imani Hooker played well, I thought, in this uh, this last game in his first uh, NFL start. So, um, yeah, I think seeing more Imani Hooker on the field would not necessarily be a bad thing. So if you're, if you're wanting to maybe get a little bit faster on defense, which I don't think would be a bad idea, um, yeah, put Vaccaro in, in at linebacker some and, and go with more of your, your kind of dime or big dime looks um I, I think you can put together enough packages that you can credibly replace him without really getting too weird with the the personnel honestly although it is a big loss because brown was playing pretty well so titans lose sembrello probably for the season questionberry steps in um Mike, I know you were big on Questenberry, um, on you know, on on Twitter afterwards and in chat. Uh, defend yourself. He played well. I mean, he he came in. It was only eighteen snaps. We should say that it was only eighteen snaps, and we have no idea how that'll translate. But what I saw, because I went back and watched all of those eighteen snaps again, just because I, I was curious. I didn't watch him extremely closely during the live viewing, but I went back and looked at it again. He looked like a guy that belonged on an NFL football field. It wasn't like, oh, God, this guy is struggling. He's all over the place. Like, he can't keep up with Ngakwe. It wasn't any of that. It, it was a guy that looked like a good athlete, looked like he could make the blocks that they want him to make, and played pretty well. I mean, he gave up zero pressures in those 18 snaps. I think they threw the ball nine times when he was in the game. So that's only nine pass block snaps, and – it would have been problematic if he was giving up multiple pressures in that nine snap range, but he didn't give up any, he didn't have any big busts uh, in the run game. So, you know, 
he was behind Sam Brelo, I'm sure for a reason. Uh, this coaching staff has shown that if a guy is not playing better, practicing better, that they will either get rid of him or elevate him or send him down, whichever, whichever way that needs to go the, the based on practice, hi, Trevor Daniel. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so if Sambrello or if uh, Questenberry was just regularly smoking Sambrello in practice, I feel like Questenberry would have already been in the game. So I don't know that we can expect him to be better, but I don't know that there's a 0% chance that he is better too. I also don't think there, I don't think if he starts, he's automatically a disaster. Um, so I think that's maybe this week because I mean this Colts it. defensive line is is really good and like that's what's and, the and scariest Gakwe's part. Better, and is better than anything that the Colts are going to throw at him from a they, from an Edra standpoint. Yeah, yeah but I, I mean, so. I mean Justin but Houston's still line good, but Ngakwe's better than him. But yeah, but defensive Overall, line standpoint, yeah. when you look at this team, you look at the defensive line for the Colts versus what we just faced versus the the Titans just faced versus the Ravens. It's night and day. And Justin Houston has still got a, a, a good, you know, step on him. Uh, I know Danico Autry is possibly could miss. Um, Maybe, but uh, yeah. it's, it's a little, it's a little worrisome. And I don't. And let me say this: Isaiah Wilson isn't isn't coming in to save the day. I don't think he's coming in at right tackle. And we're shifting Dennis Kelly over to left tackle. I think it's going to be Questenberry and Dennis Kelly, and I think they're gonna. That's who's going to start. You know, you may see, you know, Swaim over help. We may have to put some people over on the left side to help chip some blockers. But I, I, I am the these people who automatically every offensive lineman that co- that goes out for the Tennessee Titans, everybody just automatically assumes that Isaiah Wilson's coming in. This staff hates Isaiah Wilson right now. <laughs> like, there's really no other way to put it. They they hate him. They he's not ready. He's not in shape. He's not football mentally prepared. And I understand like what we saw with uh, Craig Ackerman, uh, you know, kind of sh- showing him some stuff and teaching him some stuff on the sidelines. that got blown way out of proportion. That's because just in case he had to go in on special teams because our players are dropping like flies right now. We can't get over this injury bug. So they were just preparing him just in case he had to go in. And he probably has never played special teams since like high school or something. I don't know. But he's obviously not ready to even – he's not even close to being on the depth chart unless probably like two more people get injured. They have to dress out, but per the rules, eight offensive linemen. They have to. The, the only reason he was dressed out is because Daniel Munyer was, uh, wasn't active or wasn't available. So he wouldn't have even been active if, the, if that hadn't happened. So – if you're expecting Isaiah Wilson to make an impact on this team this year, I highly doubt it. And it's, and I will still stand by this. He's the only he, him and another first round picker. There's only two out of the 32 first round picks in the NFL that have not played a snap for their team. That's not good. And I understand that he's a project or whatever, but you know, draft your projects later when they're okay to have a project. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, I made the comment that Isaiah Wilson is the type of project that is turning into, and your buddy buys four rims and says he's rebuilding a classic Mustang. Like, yeah. is this a project or a pipe dream? Because what's going on here? Yeah. Um, Feels like pipe dream right now, but you know, 
I'm willing to ride it out because really us as fans and analysts and people covering the team, we have no choice. This is the choice. This is the, the, uh, what the Titans have forced us into to have to talk about Isaiah Wilson and talk about his potential. And I know that Mike loves talking potential. There's always next year for players. Mike loves, there's always next year for players. Hang on, Mike. Like, what, why do you have to do that? Taewon Taylor have to do of offensive Davis. linemen right here. Taewon. Hey, I, I kept telling people Nate Davis was going to be good, but he actually, he's a third rounder who's actually seeing the field. Don't see uh, Isaiah Wilson seeing yeah. the field anytime soon unless three more and, people and get injured. I'm just, this is this is all I'm saying. Nate Davis was a walking disaster for his first about eight games last year when he got on the field. And that was after, you know, he missed some camp too and stuff like that. He was a walking disaster. Like, I mean, he was a sack waiting to happen. And now he, just this last week, was the best offensive lineman on the field for the Titans, has been the best offensive lineman on the field for the Titans in other games when they've had everyone healthy. He's become a really good right guard because Isaiah Wilson can't play right now does not mean that he's always going to suck and that this journey is over for him. We haven't even seen him play NFL football yet. You know, I mean, Hey, I'll say this. Tell me he's an NFL player, but I'm not sure. I think it's just, you know, it's, I I think it's a mirage. It's a terrible, it's a terrible start, right? Like, can't get any worse, but the I don't see the point in nitpicking uh, Craig Ackerman talking to him and pretending like it, he needs a babysitter or whatever. He was, like you said, he was getting him ready in case he had to go in on field goal unit, which he hasn't probably prepared a whole lot for because he was like the eighth string tackle uh, for most of the season so far. So I think everyone's nitpicking everything that comes up with this guy. And every time anything happens, it's, oh, it sure would be nice. And I get that. Like, I get the frustration that the first-round tackle is not ready to play right now. But that's where we are. He's not going to come in. They don't want to play him right now. And they probably don't want to play him for good reason. They Either, A, they don't want him screwing up and, and missing blocks and getting Tannehill killed, or – B, they don't want him screwing up missing blocks and ruining his confidence because um, obviously the guy's been at least in a little bit of a shaky spot mentally, I feel like, uh, over the last few months. So I think they want him to continue to build reps in practice, continue to kind of do the right thing, show a tracker. I mean, we're only like a month removed from him being late to practices, according to reports, and like not not doing what he was supposed to do and, and Vrabel being – verbally frustrated with him in press conferences how so much confidence can you have one month when, time when doesn't fix that, everything what kind of how much confidence does do you think he has left when you see that undrafted free agents like they're literally want to bring in marshall newhouse so they don't have to play play him but they're they're looking at undrafted free agents playing way over him like how much confidence do you really have left is he mentally tough for that i mean i don't know i don't know the guy personally i mean Nobody does really. I mean, in this, in this thing, we've barely heard him talk. Um, so oh, he, I, I don't he did know. The I Kevin mean, we'll Byer, great team win on Twitter. I saw Here, that. Here's, here's my thing with Isaiah Wilson. We'll see what happens. Don't expect him to play anytime soon. And yeah, that sucks. And it's frustrating and you can be pissed at him for that. But until we see him play NFL football, I'm not really, really willing to make my final evaluation on him as a draft pick or a player or anything else like that. So there you have it. 
<laughs> I look, I, I want the guy. I get, I just get, I get exhausted with all the Wilson talk. Every little thing that happens, it's like, oh God, Isaiah Wilson. But like, just let's let's just let him develop. Like, just pretend like this is a redshirt year and he's not available. Like, that just set that as your mindset and you'll feel a whole lot better about the whole situation and just move on. I like, think it would, I think play I'd with feel better if he was drafted in the third or fourth round and we weren't dying for I mean, like, literally every – it feels like every week an offensive lineman is leaving the Tennessee Titans roster and this is a time that the Titans need – their first round tackle and he's not available because he got, he was record breaking COVID carrier for like four weeks, five weeks. I mean, it's just, it's utterly ridiculous and it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's silly. And I get it. Yes. Talking about Isaiah Wilson is exhausting and riding off a player, but it is a pretty important year that we could have used. I don't know an edge rusher in that round, or we could have used, uh, a, a better cornerback like Jeff Gladney or something like that. I mean, just throwing, I'm just throwing names out there, but that that's the, we, that first round pick could have been better spent on something else, especially when we have offensive tackles just dropping like flies and our first round offensive tackle is not ready. Block of thickness was overrated. And I apologize for, to everybody but, for ever starting block of thickness. We should never started it. But in, we should say too that left tackles have been going down. He's not going to play left tackle. Well, no, and but I Dennis Kelly can go the over the there. That just put him right, right, right. But, but I see people saying put Wilson in at left tackle. He has never played left tackle in his entire football career. Yeah, like, I don't, never. I don't agree with um, that. He has been a right tackle um, exclusively, and to put him in at a position he's never played before after all the stuff that he's been through would be a total disaster. Like that is yeah. not. A hundred percent. No, I'd be totally against um, it. If but you anything, can put they'll Kelly flip Kelly. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm not, but I think you could also argue that Kelly has been much better at right tackle too. So are you making both tackle spots worse by doing that? So I, I think there's an well, no, no, I'm just saying that if he was good. Wouldn't necessarily want to put him in. Yeah. I'm, but, I'm not willing to give up just yet on the block of thickness name, only because if he comes out and starts playing well, I want to be able to take full credit for that because this podcast decided to call him block of thickness, which is a little ridiculous. Speaking of block of thickness, how thick are the Green Bay Packers? You go up 28 on the Colts or you you put up 28 on the Colts and then completely go to sleep and let them come back. No favors for anyone in the AFC South. Thank you for nothing, Packers. You give up one to the Colts in overtime. Now the Colts are still tied with the Titans and the Titans are turning around and suddenly playing these son of a bitches again. Zach, what do you uh, what do you expect? Because do you want Titans, my honest opinion, or do yeah, you the Titans the Titans shit the bed against the Colts just two weeks ago. Uh, we're losing 35-21. I mean, there's just no way around it. I do not see a victory here. I put it in the tweet two weeks ago that said that here's what's going to happen. The Ravens are going to, uh, or the Titans are going to beat the Ravens, and then they can turn around and get gobsmacked by the Indianapolis Colts. That's exactly what's going to happen. They are the better team, and it kills me to say it. I don't think they have the better quarterback, but I think they are playing as a better cohesive unit. They they have a unmatched passion. I see I see across the league. I think their passion on defense is a credit to Matt Eberfluss. And I just, I 
think that they have the better defense, the better team overall. And I see no reason reason with no Jadavian Clowney, no Ty Sambrello, and so far no Adoree Jackson. I see no reason for the Indianapolis Colts to lose this game unless Phillip Rivers goes out and has the worst game of his life, which could, is possible. It's possible. I just find it very improbable at this point. Sorry, sorry, Tennessee Titans yeah, fans. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm not putting any bets on on us. My, I mean, I think there's certainly a chance that this goes either way to me. I mean, like, I know that's not, you know, super fun analysis or whatever, but the Titans and Colts were dead even in that game until punt Mageddon happened. And uh, I don't know, is Brett Kern eligible to return this game? I think uh, he, he should is. be. Um, because he was put on before the Bears, so Bears, yeah. Colts, Ravens. Yeah, so he's been out three. So he is eligible to return off IR. So theoretically, you could get him. Well, back that changes everything. Enough to go. And I'm not even well, kidding. I mean, With the well, MVP coming back, you, you, that may change is. stuff for me. Brett Kern at left tackle. You heard you it just, but I mean, it, Trevor Daniel legitimate <laughs> in the punt unit combined to <laughs> sabotage that entire Colts game, honestly. Um I, I think these are two close teams. Like, I don't think the Colts are clearly better than the Titans, um, despite what happened on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. Like, I and mean, we went over that game, but yeah, going 28 plays without seeing the ball, having the special teams gas, that that blew that thing wide open. It was not a 34 to 17 domination on the field, I didn't feel like. But don't you feel like um, we are, the Tennessee Titans are a worse team than what they were in that Thursday night football game? I mean, no uh, offense. Our offensive line is now worse. Our pass rush is now, mm. even though it wasn't great if, to begin with, is now now worse. And then we our inside linebacking core is now worse. I mean, it's a, it's a worse I mean, unit than what we were two weeks ago. Sure. I mean, it, I guess it depends a little bit on if Saffold plays. Because honestly, I mean, as good as Aaron Brewer played against the Ravens you 100% do not want to see Aaron Brewer against uh, uh, DeForest Buckner because DeForest Buckner is one of the longest defensive tackles uh, in the NFL. And Aaron Brewer at 6'1", 274 is not going to be able to deal with that. Like he can try hard and, and do, a, do a lot with his effort and, and athleticism and stuff like that. But he's, there's, he's a terrible matchup for Buckner. They need Saffold back in the worst way. And Saffold may struggle some with Buckner too. But um, I there is – the Titans offense is still better than the Colts offense. And and if we keep going back to the offense, like offense is typically more consistent than defense on a game to game year to year basis. The Colts defense just gave up 28 points in the first half against the Packers who run a very similar offense to what the Titans run, obviously. So I think the, the Titans can win this game and there's a route to them having a big offensive game uh, in the defense doing enough to stop Philip Rivers and his ouchie toe. Uh, but it's, it's hard to, I agree. It's hard to have a whole lot of faith in it just because like it's the Colts and this team has struggled with the Colts for two decades, you know, basically with very little breaks in between that. And so it's really hard to anytime uh, Titans and Colts logos are next to each other to have a whole lot of faith that the Titans are going to be the ones that uh, pull that out. Lebowski, you asked uh, heading to the last Colts game if this was a game, a must-win game, and this is now a must-win game. Like, this is a must-win game for the Tennessee Titans, for the division, 
to be able to pull out ahead because we still have the Packers on the schedule. We get a little bit of an easy road, but and people are chalking up the Cleveland Browns as an easy win. I would not. If you've watched, I know they've played some ugly games these last few weeks, but they winning is winning, and they have a two-headed running back monster, and we're – I, I don't know which run defense will ever show up for the Tennessee Titans. The one that's going to get gashed by Naheem Hines or the one and that is going to clamp down on Mark Ingram. But I, I, I think this is a must win game for playoff positioning and for the division. And if you really want to go out and make a statement, this is your statement game. You go to Indianapolis, you, you punch the Colts in the mouth and get back on top of the AFC South, take no prisoners. And I hope that's what happens. I just, I don't know how much I believe in that being a chance that it happens. Yeah. And I understand that feeling too. I, I think the Titan, there's no looking ahead on the schedule on this one. I think you have to look at this as last game of the season, win and end type scenario, right? Because if the Titans lose here, the, path without the division starts to look shitty and the Titans have been down that road before where you're trying to position yourself for other spots in the playoff that are not ideal. It's ideal for you to win the division. It's ideal for you to start to lock this up. And it, and realistically, if the Titans come out Sunday and put up a good game and win against the Colts, that feeds the unit in believing that they can make a good long playoff run despite the injuries if they come out and lay an yep. egg again like you said it just kind of come apart at the seams how much confidence do you have as a fan and how much confidence do you have as a unit that you're going to be able to make a, a long run in the playoffs if you can't beat the colts who are good but honestly not great because you're going to start facing some pretty damn good teams in the in the afc playoff picture and if you can't get past the colts you're not going to get past the Chiefs. The Chiefs are back doing what they were doing last year, which is Patrick Mahomes going buck-ass fucking wild. You're still got to deal with, you know, the the Steelers, who the Titans played well against the Steelers. It didn't turn out well, but they're not going anywhere, and they're only, you know, going to get better as this goes along. So the Titans got to get their shit together for this game. I, I'm I'm like you, Zach. I'm a little pessimistic that, that this team is going to get it done. I, I On paper – the Titans are seven and three. So I almost feel like I'm bitching about a team that's like dead even and barely getting it together. But that seven and three feels like a bit of a mirage, especially with the amount of injuries that this team has. Well, outside of the Bills game, it hasn't been a quality seven and three. I know every NFL team, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, when you really look at it, it's not a quality 70 and three. I'm happy we're seven and three. Don't get me wrong. I think we're very fortunate and lucky to be at this position at this stage of the game at seven and three with everything that we've gone through with injuries, lack of, uh, with the COVID with coaching. I think, I think we're very, very fortunate to be at seven and three. And I think that's a good thing to be at seven and three at this point. It's going to be great and fantastic to be eight and three. And that's, I want to see the Tennessee Titans team that comes out and says, Hey, I want to see that bills titans team nobody believes in us we had covid then you know i want to see the players play with that edge that they played with the ravens game in that bills game we have we i personally in this podcast we need this win we need this win bad i i can't i can't go from talking about 
getting beating the Ravens, and then here we are, we're losing to the Colts again. Like, I need this Colts win. Yeah, I like one of my favorite shows, The Office, where Jim has to scold Michael and say, you can't pull someone down into your lap as you yell, I need this, I need this. Well, that's where I'm at right now. I'm yelling, I need this, and I'm going to pull someone into this lap because it's happening. We need this. I need this. This podcast needs this. Um, Mike, final thoughts on the Titans Colts before we wrap this up. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's for the division. I mean, the the winner the winner is going to take it because you basically take a two game lead. No matter who uh, wins this game, you effectively get a two game lead because the Titans would take a pretty big step forward in the uh, tiebreaker uh, standings if they had or if they split with the Colts and uh, and get this win. So. Yeah, I think uh, with five games left after this one, which seems crazy that there's only five regular season games left after this weekend, but with only five games left and essentially a two-game lead, you would really have to screw things up to not win the division. So I, I think this is this is it. This is the AFC South Championship right here. So before we wrap it up today, I want to say uh, congratulations to Zach, who got married last Friday. And while he was out – we decided to take a shot at him about Tank McKinley. <laughs> he was not here to defend himself. I know he probably took offense to it. So, uh, Zach, the floor is yours. All I said was that I don't think that he's Vic Beasley 2.0. That's all I said. Because I think that he genuinely loves the game of football and wants to play. I don't believe that in Vic Beasley anymore. And I find it very weird that... Uh, they're both signed to the Raiders. <laughs> I, yeah. think that's, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> but let me say this. This Raiders defense is playing really well. I don't know if anybody's been watching the Raiders, but I, I've watched a lot of Raiders football, a lot more than I thought I would. That and the Dolphins. I don't know why I've been yeah, captivated by these. Yeah, me too. I've watched a lot of Dolphins. Yeah. I've been captivated by these two teams all off, all, all season. And um, But the, the Raiders defense is pretty good. I don't know what they're going to get out of these two guys, but I know this. Tack McKinley, the reason he's failed these physicals is because he's had he's battling through an injury. So I'm not surprised that he's he's not failing these physicals because he's lazy or he's Vic Beasley or whatever. I mean, he's just he's got injuries. But I genuinely think Tack likes wants to play football. And that's all I was saying, that he was not Vic Beasley 2.0 in and and listen, I was wrong about Vic. I was also wrong about this coaching staff being able to get something out of Vic, and they didn't. So I was not advocating for the Titans to sign Tack McKinley. I was just saying that I I think it's unfair to lump him in with Vic Beasley. Because Vic Beasley nope. is definitely a, a fucking loser, and I don't believe that Tack McKinley is. Speaking of Vic Beasley, he decided to write a thank you letter to the uh, fans in Nashville and of the Tennessee Titans. Of course, he was released over two weeks ago, to which I had to put on Twitter. Even the thank you note showed up two weeks late. So thank you for nothing, Big Beasley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a weird. I'm gonna thank you after I get a job. I mean, like, what? yeah, just strange, absolutely strange individual. Yeah, absolutely. You think he wrote useless. it from his ugly ass truck? Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, gross. Take your terrible truck, throw some truck nuts on it, and enjoy he's gotta, yourself. Listen, in he's got to get that. He's gonna. I'm assuming he's gonna take that to California, which means that you're gonna have to get that thing emission tested, and that's not definitely gonna pass emissions down in California. <laughs> But I mean, that's a that's a long tr way to to trailer that ugly ass truck. 
come on, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be, he's going to disappear for seven days. There's going to be pictures of him in Montana next week buying a Subaru WRX. So that's, that's exactly what's going to happen here. Um, gentlemen, that's going to do it for us. It is football and other F words. We appreciate you tuning in as always. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Really, really appreciate our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in every week. Um, again, we're brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have podcasts. We have articles. You have us. You can come check us out. So please do grab yourself a premium membership. One more time, just want to remind you that Adam Gase sucks. The Jets are 0-10 and they are eliminated from playoff contention. And if you wonder why I have such a hard on for Adam Gase, you're not listening to the podcast enough and it's not going to stop. I'm going to continue to bash the man. He sucks ass. This has been Football and Other F-Words. We love you. Have a good day. A Broadway Sports Media Production.